Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 69th edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. Each, each week, we pick a rider uniform number from today or yesteryear, or both, to correspond with the number of the podcast, number 69. For the Rough Riders, this year is... Green Tram. There. Uh, I think it wasn't a George Wells, or is George, he retired? George Wells. No, we can, we can go with George Wells. <laughs> and I think <laughs> Nick Hutchins. Nick Hutchins. Our guest today is Don Hewitt from CTV Regina. We're very, very pleased to have Don with us, a, a longtime friend of ours and a friend of the community for, for same duration. Well, speaking of long time, I feel like right now <laughs> I'm in about 1978 in my rumpus room in the Hillsdale area of Regina with this beautiful wood paneling. Isn't it great? Everybody had this wood paneling in their basements. Back in the '60s, and, the roof and I'm and the ceiling. We're well, still the looking ceiling's for the, a little modern. We're still looking for the but, cigarette holders, yeah. and the hi-fi. <laughs> this is a temporary lodging while we undergo renovations here at the Leader Post. We're, we'll have our plush, sporty podcast room back later this year. Right, and you've also. got a great new facility, and, and a lot of nice men working on the facility. I've, uh, we met. Yeah, this it's, a, it's a great. It's a, yeah. everything's harmonious all around. So, <laughs> um, um, where to start? Uh, riders just coming off a of bye week, um, unbeaten in bye week. There, but but it was an eventful. Bye, there was progress even derived during the bye week in that um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lost to Montreal, making mm-hmm. the an already interesting east east west division race a lot more interesting. And Edmonton lost. Edmonton lost. So is yep. is likely will continue to happen for most of the regu- rest of the regular season. But uh, that Winnipeg loss. That everybody's tied basically with four losses now. That just makes this last one third of the regular season even better. What are your thoughts uh, moving ahead? What do you what do you expect to see over the final third? Well, I think Winnipeg's going. This to is be... Murray McCormick, oh, by the sorry. way. I didn't yeah. introduce Who's him. Who's this guy? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I sense there's going to be a little anger in Winnipeg over what happened in that game in Montreal. Oh yeah. In the Vernon Adams suspension or unappealed yet suspension for the swing of his helmet, and I think the Bombers are getting slammed. And I think there's going to be a little bit of get even on the old blue bombers, and maybe they're going to show some of the, the heart and the and the and the you know what they showed earlier in this season where they're a pretty good team. And I think there's going to be a lot of we're going to prove it and show it to you guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if Winnipeg ran the table. To thing be is, honest. weren't but, they angry going into the Montreal game? Like angry, Andrew Harris went into that game angry. Yeah, he and was. he played well, but he carried a lot of anger into that game. It didn't help him win. Their defense let him down, and Vernon Adams carried them to win. We can debate that. Should Vernon Adams even been playing? Which goes way back to that first game of the season when Simone Lawrence had that cheap shot on uh, Zach Clark. Should he even been playing in that game when everyone saw what happened? I find I don't. You don't want to talk about this Vernon Adams quick, but they called a penalty on it, but they didn't see him swing the helmet at Big Big Hill's head. So I don't. I don't understand how that. If somebody grabs the receiver's jersey for a half second, they're going to see it. Yeah, you know, I don't understand. No, how he should have been kicked out. The, the officiating this year in the CFL, they've they've missed some some big ones yeah. where ejection should have been called, and that was an ejection if I've ever seen one. What do you, yeah. don't you think, Murray? And what I if do. you switch it yeah. around, and that's a that is a someone taking that swing at the quarterback. Oh yeah, it's, you're talking a much longer. He gets a long walk to the locker room, but it's it's, it's yeah. almost like quarterbacks. If it happens, the league has issued the suspension, but it's like if it happens to a quarterback, it's a lot more severe in terms of perception than if a quarterback is the. I don't think we've ever nine. seen a quarterback swing his helmet at a defender before, though. That's a pretty rare play that we saw take place on that game, and the replays 
aren't definitive. Like you can't really see, you know, the only one angle he seemed to have seems to be covering, but you're taking the word that he looked like he swung his helmet. So he appealed. He's going to appeal, I would assume. And knowing how the appeal process works at that glacial pace, we may get a decision huh. by Grey Cup. And it's it's nothing against Vernon Adams for appealing it because he's entirely within his rights to appeal it. And he should appeal it. But they've got to speed up this process that now maybe at least get it out of the way before the Don't you want to get out of the way when you're playing BC and then make sure you have yeah. him for yeah. That's a good thing. That's right. You figure it out. You know, you guys know this, and you've both been around sports all your life, and, and it doesn't really matter the sport, uh, but in particular contact sports. It takes guts to be a good referee, right? Like they're mounting a comeback. The fans are excited. You know, everything's going. And then you kick out the quarterback you know, yeah. for the game. That takes guts, yeah. and that's what some of the refs sadly are lacking. They're lacking the jam to make what looks like an obvious ejection call. They're lacking the jam to do it. Isn't that's the basically it. Isn't that the command center's job to step up in that case? I don't know if they can. Because it's where's in the, the Where's the eye in the sky that like, they keep talking that, about? We just does, saw him swing his helmet at Adam Big Hill trying to hit him in the face, and the eye in the sky has no role in this. Like, it's just... It's such a CFL moment, which, and it looks like a cut-and-dried play, and there's so many different things involved that you can't really figure it out. And they come up with the suspension, announcing it very quickly, too, by the way. Well, the, the NFL can, the eye in the sky in the NFL can eject a player, and did so in the preseason, I know. I forget who it was, but he got ejected okay. from the eye in the sky. Good for you watching NFL preseason. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what the hell I was doing. Wow. <laughs> That's Leave devotion. that word. But anyway... But I don't believe the CFL can do that, the eye in the sky. I could be wrong. I don't think they can. The NFL can. Yeah. But they've got that person. What is they doing? If, if they're not using that person for purposes such as that, I, I question the the rules that are in place or the, the power that that person has. Like, right. Why not make that applicable? But yeah. mm-hmm. Although, had that happened, we wouldn't have had that entertaining and entertaining what an ending. ending. <laughs> that was an amazing game. So there is that to talk about. <laughs> and I loved, I loved the coverage because yeah. it was like slamming the Bombers when they were up 34 nothing. I think about 34-10, 34-0. 34-10. And they were killing the Bombers. It was just uh, they were killing the Alouettes. And it was so funny. Everyone was just writing the, bomb, blew the Alouettes off or all hunting around to watch something else on TV. But you just kind of sensed it wasn't over for some reason. Maybe... Because we watched what the Blue Bombers did in the Labor Day Classic where their defense just needed one stop and they win the Labor Day Classic and they couldn't do it. And somehow, and you think Vernon Adams just seemed to get the momentum going. And well, you know, the whole, a- the whole key to that was uh, the Bombers were blitzing and the Montreal offensive line was picking up the blitz. Yep. And then Adams had time on the blitz to make his throws. And the, the offensive line won that game for Montreal. There's no question about it. And, and you know, uh, when you look at Going back to the Rough Riders, the way they play and, and the style they're playing, uh, the offensive line is going to decide how they're going to do in the playoffs. There's no question about it with the style they're playing. And I think they're going to get better because it's not official yet, but we're expecting Labatt, Ben and Labatt maybe back. I didn't know the possibility was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And if he comes back and then Philip Blake's not that far down the road, and then they come out, what do they do what with these What about Jacoby Cofield? Jacoby Cofield. I th- so you have these three guys coming back. So, because Jacoby Cofield has a broken, there's something in his arm, a broken wrist or something. I don't know if he's quite ready, but, you know, uh, Craig Dickinson said when we asked him before the bye week, they're going to find room for Brendan Labatt. He's going to play. Yeah. Like, oh, there's no absolutely. discussion about 
Brendan Labatt being on the sideline. When he's ready to go, yeah. he's going to go. It's not this. So, you know, one it'll likely be Dakota Shepley or Darius Bladdock. No, I, don't think you, I don't think you sit Dakota Shepley. No, you don't. So it's probably going to be. I don't know how you get Philip Blake back in. I don't, I don't know how you sit Dakota Shepley. And Darius no, Bladdock Bladek has played reasonably well considering there's there's a, a propensity for holding penalties i think he's at seven now but yeah. um overall that line when you consider the the decimation as a result of injuries has played pretty well dakota but, shepley's a rookie of the year i don't think there's another guy on the team that's even close to him but sorry rob that's make... okay i wouldn't argue that um no no <laughs> so what do you make of this toronto game this weekend uh riders at argos on saturday james franklin starting for the argonauts <laughs> Guys, McLeod Bethel Thompson's leading the league in touchdown passes with 19. And he gets demoted. Yeah. This shows you what a even, mess. Even Toronto in Toronto, is. what goes right goes wrong. You know what? I think it's nervous times for the Rough Riders in Toronto because when Franklin came in and gave the Argonauts, you know, a spark, uh, had Corey Chamberlain not made the boneheaded decision to kick the ball deep with two minutes to go or a minute 55, whatever it was. And he went for a short kickoff, and if he could have got it, they might have won. They might have beaten Calgary. Honest to goodness, they had the momentum at the time. And this game is anything but a, a gimme because they're playing footloose and fancy-free. They're under no pressure. Uh, I think Franklin is a better quarterback or should be than Bethel Thompson despite all the touchdown passes you said he, he has thrown, and that's right. But I think I think this game, look out. They better be ready to play in Toronto, honestly. I got a really funny feeling about this game, and that, that should be taken with a grain of salt because when the Riders went to BC, I had a feeling that this just had trap game and disaster <laughs> and, and everything that could go wrong will go wrong written all over it, and the Riders won by 27 points. So my in- intuition is, is not necessarily infallible. But I this think, game just has plug your nose written all over it. I, that's just the the feeling I get going into it, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. On the surface, riders should stomp them, and all seventeen people who are cheering for the Argos should be leaving there with bags over their heads. Like on the <laughs> surface, this should 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 be an absolute mess. But it just has, especially when you look at Winnipeg the next week, and there's that huge game. It just there's so much talk about this October 5th game as being a real showdown mm-hmm. and do you forget the preliminary featuring Ken Lacusta who you still have to knock out right, right. like um, good name from the past good- <laughs> Ken Lacusta legendary <laughs> like, Ken Lacusta so could they win the Ken Lacusta fight before they go on to face <laughs> Ali like I don't know why but I, I tend to worry about well, the Ken Lacusta fight here's another sort of a little trap psychologically for the Riders it's their last game against an Eastern opponent right there their following five are all against the West. So you don't want them thinking, oh, I just have to do this one East game against this, this weaker division, and then we're then we we'll really have to get going against the five straight against the West. And I don't know, maybe I'm making... I'm, I think that's a very here, valid but. point. I think Craig Dickinson, from what we've seen, is probably a better coach and has a better staff than is going to allow them to look beyond the playing Toronto to the... To the their schedule is daunting in the six, but it's in the last five games. But it's also an easy schedule because all the games are out west, so they don't have to go. I'm assuming they're leaving Thursday for Toronto. They kind of go two days earlier to, to avoid some of the East Coast uh, angst and t- trouble. So mm-hmm. they have a tough schedule, but it's a travel schedule that's pretty good because it's all out west. So, But I think Craig Dickinson and his staff have sh- maybe shown the propensity. They're not going to let their guys look too far beyond, even though we're going to ask. They're going to be asked lots about 
what they're going to do. They've, you know, they've come through the bye weeks pretty well, and they're. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're going to win. I, I think it's. I'm not as worried as you. I think the Riders, bottom line, are a better team in all aspects of the game than the Argos right now, quarterback wise, offensive line, defensive line, all those aspects. And I think they're going to want to come out, and they're going to be like Winnipeg. They got something to prove that they need to set off this daunting task of getting a home playoff game in the final six games of the season. I think I became wary of games like this because I saw the Danny Barrett coaching staff (laughs) where where they would so habitually lose to these teams that they had no business losing to and it would would hurt them. 2003, they're the only team to lose the Hamilton Tiger Cats all year. So, I mean, and they ended up just missing a home playoff game. They win that Hamilton game, they've got the home playoff game. Mm-hmm. 2004, they lost mm-hmm. all three times to a Winnipeg team that won seven times all year. 2005, they played the Ottawa Re- Ottawa Renegades twice, lost both times, and Ottawa had such a successful season that they folded afterwards. <laughs> 2007, they, uh, you know, 2000, they also, they, 2006, they lost, they did not beat an Edmonton Eskimo team that made the playoffs. And each year the Riders would be, with the exception of 20, 2003, the Riders would be 9-9. Nine and nine. But you'd look at those mm-hmm. games and you'd think, okay, the, the, you should have beaten Winnipeg, should have beaten Ottawa, should have beaten Edmonton, these soup cans that they can't beat. Right. And that's, what, that's the difference between going on the road for the playoffs and having the home playoff game. So I think that four-year period just made me suspicious of games like this because I saw how the Rough Riders would so habitually you know what? Falter in those There's situations. Left from but, those days, really. but that but that's that's the kind of mindset that can creep in and you just you just think, okay, nothing's a given given because I saw the riders in two thousand and three become the only team to lose to Hamilton. Yeah. And and then Ken Austin came in yeah. in 07 and they started they started beating the teams they should beat yeah. and they started putting and the little bingo marker on the free space. By and large, the Craig Dickinson team has put the bingo marker on the free space right. so far this year, but that's what has to keep happening. Going back to Danny Barrett, <laughs> I honestly, I don't know if anybody cares now, I think he was not a very good head coach at all. And but now he's the he, NFL. Now, and, yeah. and that's what I going to say, but he's an amazing salesman. He's in the NFL, and he did a few college stints. Some of them just bombed. In the meantime, he's in the NFL. He was, what, fired by one team in the NFL, got hired by another team. When did he go from Miami to Houston or something? I'm not exactly sure. But there is a man that I don't think was a very good head coach for the reasons you just explained, but he keeps making big bucks because he knows how to talk. Cavus Reed, where are you? Some guys are better (laughs) assistants than they are head coaches too. Yeah, right. And uh, that happens too. But I don't know know why. Maybe I'm I'm just looking at this game and just thinking – this has more the riders have so little to gain from it in terms of perception if they win they beaten they've just beaten toronto they they've pulled the wings off a fly if they lose <laughs> it's there's there's noxious fumes all over the city for a week the only way i can see them losing is cody fajardo doesn't play very well that's the only the only thing i can somehow and i know we keep saying good things about cody and he keeps saying he's still going to have that game where he's just not going he's going to be a first year quarterback and there's I think a little bit of pressure on him. He's going back to Toronto. Toronto gave him his start, you know, kind of started out in the league. He's got ties to that community a little bit there and maybe a put pressure. That's the only way I can see him losing if Cody Fajardo doesn't play well. If Cody Fajardo plays well enough like he's done sometimes, like he did in the last few minutes of the games at, at home, hit the Riders win. So unlike you, I'm not I, – I could be totally wrong, and I have been many, many times, but I just think this is a uh, – 
a ride or win. And uh, we hope absolutely you are right, Murray. We hope you're all right. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't like to be that optimistic. I find my, I find being a pessimist is you're never disappointed. <laughs> so I would like to keep my life like that. But that's the only way I think things will happen. So, yeah. you know, and the same token, like Toronto's a little bit better than the team they hammered way back in the summer. Was at 30? July 1st. July 1st, that Canada Day debacle yeah. for Toronto. And somehow, I don't know, we've touched, somehow Corey Chamberlain in the last, since 2013, has gone from a genius to a, arguably the worst coach. In, well, what has happened there? I don't know. It, well, maybe you can say, and you pointed out to me the other day, it's quarterbacking. It's quarterbacks. No, you think of the, the horrible quarterbacks he had here in 15 and 14 because of injuries to Darian, and then you look what happens all around. He hasn't had a quarterback to really do good things with. And now he's got Zach Kolaris, who's probably not going to play this year. It doesn't look that way. Did we say he's going to play this year? Why would that you? Is, that is... How did Jeremy O'Day get a draft pick for him? I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I know. that's ingenious. I think that Kolaris thing is absolutely ridiculous. What is he standing there in Toronto for? Why Why did he even have him there? Yeah. Just standing there, it's, it's goofy. There's something goofy, weird. I don't know how to even describe it. It's eerie. Why did why, why, is he why there? make that what? trade? Why bring him in? I have yeah. no idea. I understand idea. you're desperate for quarterbacking at some yeah. point, but that's not the answer. Oh, my gosh. It's bizarre. Well, it sure took all yeah. the questions away from here. We're, talk about a genius move by Jeremy Day, who oh, doesn't yeah. get enough One of credit. several. Doesn't get enough credit. This is an in-season move that was just getting, like, even if they, if they release him, it doesn't go over as well. It's like, oh, you took this gamble on him. You, you know, here's a big offseason signing, and you, you just couldn't make a mistake, and blah 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 blah. Getting a draft pick for him is just any draft pick, like a fourth round a pick, free coffee, a fourth <laughs> round pick for a guy, even if he was is a starting quarterback, is pretty good. Trail they don't get traded like that very often. So good deal for yeah, Jeremy. He, he deserves a lot of credit for the guys he's brought in and for this and for making that trade. Just for the addition of subtraction of Cody Fajardo knows it's his team, knows that he's the guy, and there's no discussions. We're always looking around saying, is, is uh, Zach here today? Is Zach here gone? He's gone, and uh, it's all Cody Fajardo's team. And I've seen several shows on, on leadership, and Cody Fajardo showing all of those things. Oh, yes. Just till now, yeah. I, I just listened to a, uh, I know a podcast on Rod Peterson's uh, blog about uh, faith, and Cody was very articulate in, in describing how faith and what is how it's done to his life. And he wears his religion on his sleeve, but... There's nobody criticizing him for that. Like we're, you know, we. Well, he's we, not self righteous or pious no. about it. It's not. I'm better than you. It's yeah. It's it's endearing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is. And he talks. And it was very. And I, I listened. And you know, we're all. And I hate this media guys. We kind of back off from the religious stuff because we we see a lot of it where it's not really true about them and stuff. But with Cody, we we reported it. We're doing it, and there's no sort of anything about it. It's this, this is the guy he That's is. That's part of telling his story. Yeah. If you don't tell the Cody, Cody Fajardo story with a sprinkling of, of religion, you're not accurately portraying who he is. And yeah. given the prominence to which he has ascended and the profile that he has, that's a, I guess it's, to use quarterbacking term, incomplete if you don't yeah. mention the entirety of but the individual. But it's not like a huge mm-hmm. dump of religion. It's no. like sprinkles of religion. And it's funny and it's humorous. <laughs> yeah. and, it's, it's, and he's got yeah. a, I can't remember, he's got a tattoo on his wrist that I haven't noticed yet. And so it was very enlightened, very, a very good, if you see it online, you can look at Rod Peterson blogspot, Recover, Rod Peterson Recovery. It's a good listen. And it's well, going to show. Another thing I really like about him was you see leadership and desire from him because he wasn't happy from what I could see. Uh, being pulled at the end of the banjo bowl. 
You know, that reminded me of Ron Lancaster. You don't pull him. And he, I think that annoyed him to be pulled. He wanted to go down with his mates sort of yep. thing in that particular game and, and, and didn't go down with his mates. So you, you talk about leadership. That's all about leadership right there as well. And he so. was quite critical of himself and the team a little bit. You know, t- people ask about that win streak was a weight on, which I think is one of the more inane questions media guys ask. But he kind of, he kind of walked back those comments a little bit when he met with the media four days after the game that he's maybe too critical on that stuff. But we love it. Be self-critical. Be tell, tell us what's in your mind. Tell us what's in your heart. And, no, you can't but, play football without emotion. Yeah, and he really can't. So, well, yeah. if you look at it's his first year as a starter, and and it's his first year with this team. Yet he he talks so often, and people talk so much about him meeting with teammates on the sidelines. Brett Lowther had the rough game, and Cody Fajardo yes, went up to him and yes. and built some confidence into him. This is a guy who's a first year starting quarterback, and sometimes you'd think maybe he's just trying to tiptoe. Some somebody might be inclined to kind of tiptoe into the into the role that maybe you leave that up to somebody who's been with the team for longer. Uh, is more of an established voice in that locker room. But for Cody Fajardo to do, do some of the things he's done that don't show up on the field mm-hmm. so quickly and so effectively and so genuinely, how do you quantify the effect positively that that's had on this football team? I don't think you can. He's just a success story times infinity, is he not? Like, don't argue with, with If not for him, honest. where is this season? And you kind of wonder... Who were the rider? Remember, you said who were the rider leaders? Like you did, like Brandon Labatt was always a rider leader. You didn't doubt that, but you always wondered who the other ones were. There's no doubt that Corey Fajardo is the leader of this team. Like they are following him, they respect him. He's he's doing all the things you could ask for for any young guy to do that. And at 27, the question looms, and it's always going to loom until something's signed. Is what do they do with him? How do they get him to re-sign a contract when he's looking at? Maybe making some pretty good money now if he's making, as Justin Dunk reported, one hundred and fifty to one hundred eighty thousand a year, which isn't big money for quarterbacks. There's a defensive lineman making more than that in the Riders right now, and an off and an offensive and lineman. offensive lineman. So there's there's all that. But do they get him resigned? I think Brendan Tamman did a great job. Telling it's a good read. I don't know if people can get through our paywall to read Brendan Tamman today. How they can find room to sign him and stuff. But if I was Cody Fajardo, I'd wait. I'd see what see what this well, season brings up. A U.S. based agent uh, that you know has what twenty NFL clients. I think you guys reported about who he was and everything. At, at, uh, and including Colin Kaepernick, right? And was, so he, I mean, his agents might have other ideas. Yeah. It's hard to say what's going to happen and with this XFL. Who who knows? What's I don't really happen. worry about that because I just I think if you're going to take your chance, you see if there's NFL options. And that might sound preposterous for a guy who's only started 11 games, but Henry Burris got that shot after the 2000 season. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if somebody likes what they see in in a quarterback, they'll take him. Dontrell in- Inman with the Toronto Argonauts was an okay CFL player. Ended up playing in the NFL for a long time because somebody liked what they saw, and he ends up staying down there. So if you get that opportunity, if the NFL comes calling for anything, that probably changes the entire equation. I don't see the XFL being an influencer because I still, still think you have to be wary. And if you look within yep. the confines of the Canadian Football League, where better? This is a team that took a chance on Cody Fajardo and signed him when there wasn't exactly a lineup out the door to do that and gave him that opportunity and has given him that platform now that of which he frequently speaks. So if you look within the CFL, I still think the best option is here. I'm going to write about this later this week, but you can make a lot more, if you're looking at it financially, you can make a lot more money overall signing with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders than you can signing with anywhere else in the CFL. 
it, within the confines of the cap, there are certain limitations. But if you're Cody Fajardo in Saskatchewan, think of the possibilities. You could you could probably rake in ten grand a weekend doing banquets during the week yeah. during the winter endorsements. He's already you're already seeing evidence of some of. Uh, whether it's car washes or, or apparel or whatever, you're, he's he's got some relationships that are building in the community. Now give that more time and give that an entire off season, and I would think that the possibility for ancillary revenues is is in the six figures, and nobody else in the Canadian Football League can rival no, that. That's, right. do that's the, the Riders' edge. So we and they got have to Fajardo sell Flakes. Exactly. <laughs> do the Riders have to sign him? Is this oh. is this like a position where do I need a new sweatshirt? Well, <laughs> same, but, same or maybe answer. just wash it. I mean, it probably just <laughs> wash. <laughs> but do the writers have to? I think this is how, how important of re-signing is this in the terms of history, the most ever, the biggest ever, the most monumentous. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know about that. With the Grey Cup know. here, with you know people looking. I mean, if they, the, the more, it was very important. In 20, 2005, they re-signed Henry Burris. They didn't do that, and it cost them. Yeah. So during Durant, they re-signed him. You know, they got that done, right? It was a good deal. They he, signed Ken Austin in, in nineteen ninety one to a huge five year deal worth six figures or uh, worth 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 a million. And he demanded to be traded, and that lasted two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. well, not say, yeah, it's not saying it's a long laugh. There have been negotiations with quarterbacks who are more accomplished who have won great cups, but in terms of recent memory, getting this deal done. Absolutely critical, for, especially as you, as you said, Murray, with the Great Cup here next year. Yeah, and you want to build on what he's establishing, not only on the field but off the field. There's just this whole entity that's Cody Fajardo that is gold for this this team because he's gold as an individual, yeah. as opposed to him. And the incentive, and Brendan wrote about this too. Is that the incentive here is that for him here, or one of the incentives is that. He's got something going here. He doesn't have to start over. Two years in Toronto, one year in BC. You come to Saskatchewan for one year and then go somewhere else. You're quickly becoming an itinerant CFLer. Whereas you stay here, build upon what you're, what you've, the momentum, momentum you've created. That's part of the rider's advantage too. It's just well, if you take a look, let's take a look at the CFL for example, and what his agency is going to look at. Okay, Ottawa. They need a quarterback. Will they get into a bidding war for? Cody Fajardo. Montreal seems reasonably set. Toronto. Toronto should be in their pitching. Hard to say, but yeah, they could be in their pitching. They just uh, dumped the guy who's thrown 19 touchdown passes. Right. So there's clear instability there. And and so, and there's even a, an interesting situation going out. What about going Winnipeg? BC? Strebler and, and Nichols are both free agents after, after this year. Yeah. So who's to say the Winnipeg wouldn't be? Part? Hard to say, but I mean, look what they're paying Riley in BC. I think he had his first game of the year the other night, but what they're playing Riley and BC, can they still afford that when you take a look at the actual offensive production? And what would they get for Jardo? How much less would they get for him? So it's possible if he hits free agency in the CFL, he could even up the price the Riders have to pay. or would, The Riders also have pay. some players. Charleston Hughes is, I think, heading into his free agency year, I think. So they have some players who are going to have to resign. Like I think Ed Ganey's got to be heading into a contract I don't remember him being resigned but you the foundational player is your quarterback and you going into the season if they were prepared two years ago to pay Zach Kalaros four hundred and thirty thousand dollars and they could make that work how is four hundred thirty thousand dollars not the absolute minimum starting negotiation with Cody Fajardo yep. and but uh, the yeah. NFL may come 
no, only the NFL can. No injury histories really with Cody. Yeah. Like nothing and there's not many serious. Canadian quarterbacks or CFL has gone down there and stuck. Who's the last one? No, but if you get that chance, you go. Yeah, and if, even if you're on the third guy in the string. You know, Ricky Ray went down there and, yeah. for a, and kind of lingered around. And Dave Dickinson had the, yeah. you know, was a yeah. was a clipboard holder for a short period. Henry Burst was down there for a couple of years, so it I can happen. I don't see uh, Cody. I don't. I will say this: he he plays well in the system. With the Rough Riders are playing, and you see teams going into the system. Now, Winnipeg moved over to the system with their quarterback change. Look what the Vikings are doing. You know, even Baltimore the other day. They're playing a very similar offensive system. Cody fits the system. I don't think he can throw the long ball well enough to last down in the U.S., really. I, I, that's his one point where he has to improve in the long ball. But everything else in how they run their offense, he's perfect for it. I kind of like how he you throws know? the long ball. I don't feel that, I'm not as critical about that. That surprised yeah. me because I, one of the raps coming into on him coming into the season was he didn't have the big arm, and then in the mm-hmm. preseason game in Calgary he didn't go downfield. The game in 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 Hamilton when he came in for Cody for Jar, for Zach Kalaros, the only pass he threw downfield was a wobbler that Kyran Morris should have caught, but it was, still wasn't a great throw. So after his two first first two appearances as a rough rider, it was fair to wonder can he throw the long pass? Then they go to Ottawa. And it's just bombs away. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those concerns have been allayed. Does he have the Henry Burris arm? Does he have the Dieter Brock arm? No, but few do. I think his arm is more than fine for the CFL. And with, I don't think that would be a, 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 a an issue down there. I I think there's more than enough steam on his throws. It's not, it's not a real absolute yeah. gun, but he's put some passes into tight coverage. Oh yes, oh, you look at the pass to, sure. to Kyron Moore in tight coverage against against Montreal down to the six yard line. Oh, there was a great pass. There was just that ball was whistling. And I had a perfect angle from where I see when I see the ticket of that particular pass and the way he led him. He led him as he ran his route. It was it was perfect. No, he's he's got a, a pretty strong arm and he can throw longer intermediary passes really well but sort but sort of you know when you watch calgary play and bam touchdown or something like that that's i'd like to see a little bit of that like like when like you mentioned in in ottawa i like a little bit of that uh there's there's a sprinkling there's an argument though about the speed of the rider receivers but i just think cody just has to release the long ball just a little quicker and let the players run under it, and, and, and if there's, no, there's too many contested balls. Yeah, is what I would and say. And Shaq Evans is great at those. Yeah. yeah. And if he keeps doing that, and they keep using William Powell, isn't that what you kind of want in an offense? Is a good, accurate quarterback and a running back that can did as well as he did in the last game. Like bringing William Powell back into the offense was a key. Wow. Like he's a. Here's he's another much. situation: you run to set up the pass. Yeah. But can the riders pass to set up the run when they can't run? That's the issue. Like so far, when they've stuffed William Powell, not good things have happened. So what I'd like to see is Powell's getting stuffed. Oh oh, they're now they're they're completing some passes. Suddenly Powell's running. It it, it you know what I mean? Yeah. It it, help, it goes in reverse as well. Well, I so. wondered about that watch of the Montreal Winnipeg game on Saturday because Winnipeg shut down William Stanback. He had the kind of Powell kind of game that William Powell had in the banjo ball. Like they just eliminated mm-hmm. the run. And the Winnipeg eliminated the run, and there really wasn't much else to the Ryder Arsenal that day. Whereas Winnipeg eliminates the run against Montreal, and Vernon Adams throws for 480 yards and, 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 and right. more. Yeah. So Montreal overcame the run being completely shut down. The Riders weren't able to. Can the Riders show that capability and that dimension 
That's a, that's the question. They got Montreal did. Receiver. The Riders didn't. They've got they only have to face Winnipeg in, once, but... though. Too. I think Winnipeg's a capable defense of doing that. They only face them once. Right, and you. they've got. I mean, they've got a hopefully a big time stud receiver coming in to Saskatchewan. Yes, and you would hope that that's really going to help Cody in many oh, different ways. That's going to be massive. I, I keep think. remembering Zach Claris kept talking how. Jordan Williams was a hands receiver, and I kept wondering what that means. And he catches the ball with his hands, which sounds it pretty basic. He isn't, he isn't BK Williams. <laughs> he never caught the ball with his hands. Exactly. But you look back on the passes he caught, and he high points the ball. He does. That's a, a big return coming back for the final sixth, final third of the season. I think Very that's much. a little bit over. Not because we haven't seen him yet. It's odd that he wouldn't play the first game back. But I guess they he got get, away with that one. They got away with Who's that out? One. Who's out? I think Manny it's, Arsenal. How do you sit any of the other? They, they, Craig Dickinson has said that they're not going to add another import receiver, American receiver, international, whatever they're called now, mm-hmm. receiver spot. You're not touching Shaq Evans. You're not moving Naaman Roosevelt. Kyran Moore is going to flirt with a thousand you yards, keep him and he's one of your more explosive players. Yeah. So if, if somebody has, if something has to give, it's Matt. You would think it would be Manny Arsenal, but. The qualifier I'll inject is that the Riders have a 7-1 record with Manny Arsenault in the lineup. And how much do you factor in the intangibles? That's the main thing on the positive side with Manny Arsenault. It isn't numbers because he's he's caught 16 passes for you know for, le- for less than 10 yards a catch. 164? 18, 18 passes for 18 for 163 or something. Yeah. And it's just like that he's had more yardage than that repeatedly in a game. For BC and so, Corey Watson may be back too, and he's not he's he's not in the factor. But Corey Watson's playing pretty well. There's yeah, another he was playing another well. you know side. He was playing well as an inside receiver. Yeah. So when's when's Patrick Lavoie? Is that uh, that's, his last name? when's he back? Because he's the blocker type you need in the playoffs. I don't think so. I don't I think he'll be back. And I don't he's even not. know when he got hurt. He got somehow hurt early in spring training or training camp, and we've never I seen him. Twice on the field since then, and that's too bad. And he would have been great. Yeah, yeah, he's just so physical, just and he can do need. so much. Yep. Yeah, he would have been a good. So one. you don't think he's back at all this year? Today, uh, this week of practice will probably tell a lot, but I don't know who yeah. do they move out. Albert Awachi, who's doing great things. I love Albert Awachi. Yeah, yeah he's so doing, he's, he's not he's doing not the things that Lavoya could bad. do. But this isn't Patrick showed up last year. You rewatch a Ryder game. I, I watch rewatch every Ryder game and slow mo, and it's really a nerdy <laughs> thing to do. And, and somehow we I expect keep you watching to do that. number forty-one. Yeah. If you watch number forty-one on Ryder plays, successful running plays, mm-hmm. and you watch what Albert Owachi does, like Albert Owachi is absolutely. I remember watching Rob Co- athlete, Rob Cote yeah. with Calgary, and Rob Cote did so many things that wouldn't <laughs> ordinarily meet the eye. But you take a look at what he offers on every play that he's in there, or that he was in there. Mm-hmm. Rob Cote was a huge part of that Calgary offense, and you're seeing situationally when Albert Wachi is in there, he took one guy against Montreal and blocked him. He took a linebacker about two yards downfield and blocked him right out of the picture. He went right out the right side of the screen, at least ten yards down the field. He brutalized this guy. Yeah. And this isn't an offensive lineman. You're talking a fullback. Albert Awachi. Uh, he's underrated. He's, he's he huge, deserves huge. more attention. I so, agree. There, I'm glad he doesn't catch passes, so he doesn't get made out of the backfield. He doesn't run the ball much, but it's sure got to have a guy who can oh, block. Uh, got, uh, the Bennett is in there now. The, Jake Bennett. Now, who might have been a really astute pickup by Jeremy O'Day. Now, he seems quite mobile. For an offensive lineman, maybe he's a little small. I don't know, but he was running around making some pretty good blocks. Yeah, uh, the Montreal game, Montreal. They, they went with two tight ends a lot more than they had been. And in Jake yeah. Bennett, basically when they went with six six 
players up front. Albert Awachi was the sixth guy. When they went to seven, it was Jake Bennett. Right. And both of them were absolutely huge factors. Well, that's, that's overstating it because they weren't in the game a ton. But they were significant factors yeah. when they were in there. Just so, I'll ask you another question. What do you think of him resting Charleston Hughes for that game? What do you think that does for him down the stretch here? Well, they, they won without him. So that's huge. They don't have to look at it and say, well, we didn't play Charleston Hughes and we paid for it a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at last year and he absolutely hit the wall and slid down in terms of production after after the 12, 11 or 12 yeah, game mark. Two sacks after so, that So uh, resting him and then having the, the – that was the time to do it because you have the bye week afterwards. And then you've got this stretch run and and a ton of road games. So that was a smart time to do it. And they won. So there's well, here, no, no the penalty deal. for it. Like Jeter did pretty well. But have you watched what's going on in the NFL lately? The edge pass rusher, rushers, sorry, Willie Jefferson, but they're not tall anymore. Even in the NFL, they are short, explosive, and very strong, like he got even a defensive end like Mack in, in, you know, in Chicago. But the, it's a different kind of athlete built and looking like Charleston Hughes. And if you look at, you know, a couple of the taller defensive ends that were playing against Montreal, O'Kine and was the other fellow there in the big uh, – they've got three tall defensive ends. Leonard. No, A.C. Oh. Leonard's okay. There was, yeah. uh, there's another fellow. He is the guy that hit the center in Winnipeg. What's his name? Oh, LeVar, LeVar Edwards. Edwards. Right. Yep. Now, if you take a look at those guys, they could not pass rush. I didn't see much pass rush out of them at all. They were pretty good against the run. You know, I think the Riders need That's another from- another edge pass rusher uh, to help out on the rotation uh, with Leonard and Charleston Hughes. Uh, a short, stocky, explosive guy that can he get underneath the arms of the offensive tackles and just and just just go right around them. And I think that they need that because right now they've got one one explosive pass rusher. You need two. Micah well, Johnson. Micah Johnson. Micah Johnson. No, really Micah Johnson's the, coming on. Yeah, I'm talking about the edges. Talking about defensive ends. Micah yeah. Johnson made it. He's huge, coming on. Yeah, you could tell that he's starting to round into yes. form. But you're right. Yes. They need to get. They got. They need to make sure that Charleston Hughes has a better finish than he did last year, and they need to get more out of the other end spot. But like, Micah yeah. Johnson, remember you watched that game. There's one player, Micah Johnson, burrowed underneath the offensive line yeah. and skirted into the back, but squirted and got the tackle for loss. It was just so. Oh, that, it was timed the snap count perfectly. Yeah. It was just yeah. such a great play that you don't see defensive tackles do that all the time. And you just show that he's coming on, and he's had two sacks in the last two games. And to me, he was playing with more emotion. Yeah. In the last game, he was yakking with some Montreal players like we saw him uh, playing for Calgary. The, the game last October when Saskatchewan upset Calgary and McMahon last year, Micah Johnson was going at it with Blue Labatt. Like you wouldn't believe, I thought they are going to go to blows. And I think that's what we need to see from Micah Johnson, more emotion. Uh, maybe he was putting too much pressure on himself because he was making the big bucks. Maybe he wasn't getting enough help beside him. You know, when Zach Evans went down, we you know, there's a bunch of different factors, but we, we want to see the Micah Johnson, the the angry and emotional Micah Johnson is un- unstoppable. And he's a closer with Calgary last year. He had like six sacks in the first half of the season and eight in the second half. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that comes on. He knows that he can play better. He's going to come on in the second half of the season, and maybe that's going to be his thing to stand up. And maybe we'll forget right. about the first half where we all kept told he was getting double teamed all the time. And some of us... And he was. He was, uh, but you yeah. just uh, learning a new system. Sometimes it doesn't work. Some of the grass is always greener on the other good side. And sometimes That's it's not. The turf point. is always greener. Well, Derek Dennis was a prime example. He wasn't. It was nothing. He got demoted here 
and now he's one of the, an all-star guard back, all-star tackle back with the Stampeders. We should uh, let you get to practice. We should let you get to back back to the plush. I thought you were going to say get back to bed. I thought you were <laughs> saying. I'm going back to bed. Um, <laughs> I want to plug a story this weekend uh, in Saturday's paper. Uh, I've done a big epic on CKCK television, If the Walls mm-hmm. Could Talk. Don Hewitt was one of the people who was kind enough to chat with me for the story. I, I went into that old, wonderful studio and, and uh, told some stories and met some and interviewed some really cool people and just wallowed in nostalgia. So coming up this in Saturday's leader post, there'll be 3,100 words of CTV Regina slash CKCK. And Don, you've been a, an amazing part of that station since December of 1975. Well, and um, may, may you have another 44 years. Yeah, well, I don't think I will. But <laughs> the one thing, if, if you need, and Murray, you know this, if you want anything well done, historically be it sports or even a local tv station this is the man wait till you see this the story the before man. you say that <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> oh it'll be good because okay, i had you as don hewitt the producer of 60 minutes oh yeah <laughs> so, i asked i my, wish mike Although wallace dead now, so that, yeah, yeah, i said to right. rob the other day what, what do you forget to retain all that stuff like what part of your life is missing from your practical brain? skills yes exactly <laughs> it like laundry and cooking yeah. and there's some pen on here like yeah. doing yeah. minor yeah. things so to retain all that fantastic knowledge and useless useful i guess it's useless it's useless no it's not i enjoy he tucks away all the other stuff that you and i kind of keep track of our wives names and birthdays and those kind of you keep track of that oh well someone has to (laughs) so we have facebook may 1st 1957 (laughs) exactly you have one too sometime in the year around then march 30th 1964 same day as former winnipeg jets defenseman Dave Ellett. <laughs> All right. See, there's, there's one there day. There so there's another again. piece of information. Like, I should do laundry this week. Gone. <laughs> and Al McPherson was born the day before me. So that's that's March of uh, 1964. But she does, there's a case where she does look a little better than you do. She still but looks look good, like she did 20 years ago when I still, <laughs> I still look like Murray. So anyway. Thank you. Too Somehow I don't think that's a compliment. I am the youngest member of this podcast, by the way. And I got before. Keep... Do you want to add up the years? How many years you got? I got thirty-three. Yeah, I've got May twelfth, eighty-six. I've got thirty-four, somewhere in August. Here, 85. plus you, you, pre, you predated uh, your yeah. vocational time. Predated the Leader Post. In December seventy-five. Well, and I got into sports in seventy-nine. So I think what's that? Forty in the whereas wow in sports. Yeah. Don is still now. We're we're fellow columnists. Don's, Don's, I love. I I miss your video commentaries from twenty years, twenty twenty five yeah. years ago. I'd love to see those you know again. What? Your column's awesome. You know what? You guys got lucky on when I started doing my blogging. You know what that really does? It makes the both of you look good. <laughs> because well, yeah, of course. my trash compared to your actual professionalism. <laughs> You guys are actually looking good. <laughs> I would I would dispute that. I, enjoy, I really enjoy reading it, but yeah, yeah I couldn't. I couldn't. We hold didn't either one of your. Well, Rob did. I, I couldn't did. hold either one of your journalism or writing jock straps. I'll tell you. And that right I now. couldn't stand in front of a TV camera and do the I many. Neither could I. Do the many things that you've done <laughs> at CTV over the years. So. We won't be able to put our hats on after this. So. So. Thank you, Don. <laughs> appreciate the compliments. Um, Let's go. We should read the ending oh. here. Murray, please send us off. Oh, yeah. I missed it last week. Here we go. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. If you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. Can I mess that sentence up?
If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. And we really will. We really will. We haven't got a question in two weeks. So. <laughs> you can follow <laughs> Rob. Send me a question, Don. <laughs> you can follow Rob on Twitter at rvanstone and Murray at LP And Twitterless, Don Hewitt? Twitterless. Yeah, I'm too old. Too old. Twitterless. Never. You're ageless, Don. You're ageless, Murr. Great for, Murray, for Ageless Murray and Ageless Don, I'm yes. Aged Rob. And we'll do this again next week with number 70. Wow. Thanks so much and uh, take care. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>